0: Welcome to episode 76 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, and joining me for the first time since April in this form, which I can't believe because I talk to you so often, but uh, joining me today is Zach Dillard of Fox Sports South. What's up, Zach?
1: Has it really been since April? That's crazy. I did not know that.
0: Yeah, we've we've talked on uh, my Hawks podcast since then, and of course, uh, offline since then, but yeah, I checked before this, it was episode 60, so I guess that's 16 weeks ago. That's a long time.
1: Well, it's good for us to link back up after such a, a devastatingly active trade deadline for the Braves. Um, definitely have to dive into all this news that <laughs> copying and them made today.
0: Yeah, I mean, the plan, uh, so, you know, a little bit of a look behind the curtain. The plan was uh, to hold the podcast until Monday night because obviously the deadline was Monday and there was no point in, uh, at least conceivably, there was no point in recording a podcast on Sunday night. But then, of course, nothing happened on Monday. But hey, we we didn't know that was going to happen. So, uh, plenty to get to here. It's been uh, because this is a weekly podcast, there's still things that have actually happened over the last now 8 days normally 7. So we can get into that. Um I guess we we could start with the with the Braves. Obviously we'll, we'll get to the deal, the one deal that did happen since last week, but the Braves are really bad right now. They've lost 8 of 9 uh 5 in a row. Uh got swept by the lowly Philadelphia Phillies over the weekend, which is not what you want to see and now sort of projection uh, the projections are back in that 75 win range so things have uh, things have sort of escalated quickly here in the last week or so since I talked to people last uh your impressions of that or what I think that things have normalized I think that the
1: Braves have for the most part throughout this season played above what you would expect when you look at uh their run differential or base run differential whatever you want to call it um they haven't Quite been up to par with the team that could conceivably be mentioned among the wild card contenders. I never looked at them as a wild card contender or a playoff contender this season, but they certainly saw themselves as such when they got to 500 after sweeping the Diamondbacks. But they went through a tough schedule, but this is still a team that has struggled. They have been outscored by a significant margin. Uh, they have struggled against the, the lower tier of the National League East. They haven't won a game in Philadelphia this season. Uh, I believe they are now two and nine against the Phillies this season. That's not going to cut it if you are going to try and make this. Um, if we go back to at some point in the season, there were worse to first, worst of first uh, comparisons being tossed around. That was never none of that was ever realistic. So I, I feel like we've just normalized a little bit. The team has fallen back to earth, and certainly trading a, a player. We're going to get into it trading a player at the caliber of Jaime Garcia who's having a good season, about a 1.4, 1.5 war this year. That certainly hurts the rotation uh, in 2017. But I just think this is kind of who this team is, not a team that's going to be swept by the Phillies, of course, but a team that is still on the outside looking at a playoff contention a playoff contention, and still maybe a team that's in the top top 10, top 12 type draft pick mix, and that's okay. Because they're still moving in the right direction, they're just not moving by leaps and bounds like some may have assumed.
0: Yeah, I mean, now that I mean, I think the playoff talk can pretty much end. I mean, people were uh, very excited even a week ago, and that it was you know it was, it was defensible. I was never really there in terms of the playoff stuff, but uh, now eleven games out of the wild card with uh, I believe it's eight teams in front of them, maybe seven teams in front of them, and fifteen behind the Nationals. So uh, I think we can kind of bury that, which is okay, as you kind of said there. I mean. I think expectations were sort of getting out of hand a little bit, and uh, they were playing over their heads. I would agree with you uh pretty much on all of that. So, you know, now uh, 48 and 56, nothing to be uh upset about there. If you ask me uh, before the season, if what I thought, what I thought they'd probably be somewhere around that range, and I would have said yes. So that's about right. You know, I think in uh, there'll be some normalization. Uh, I think you know, getting swept by the Phillies, who are really bad, uh, is not not ideal. But and I can't, I can't I can't say that I expected that to happen, but you know, we're kind of back where I thought they would pretty much be, and uh, nothing terribly wrong with that. I guess we can get into Jaime Garcia, since we both talked about it in a circle there, but Garcia was dealt um, last week, I guess, more well, than the last seven days. Um, that was the only move that actually happened. Uh, I will not even try to pronounce the name of the prospect that he uh, was acquired for, but maybe you know since you're a TV, a TV personality, you can tell me the name of this gentleman. I can try. It's a, a Huskar Enoa. See that and now people don't know why I didn't try because uh, I'm sure you're, I'm sure you're right because someone probably told you or you looked it up. Um, His brother pitches for the White Sox. Uh, and there you There's go. Uh, so not 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 a monster return. People were not excited about it. Uh, I didn't know what they were really worried about because. You know, as, as good as Jaime has been, uh, especially lately, I wasn't expecting a huge return. I guess they, the one uh, caveat is that the Braves uh, apparently, according to all the reports and all the stuff that we know, um, saved some money on the deal and uh, basically um, in the trade, the Twins elected to uh, pick up all the salary for Garcia um, presumably to send a little bit lesser-tier prospect back. And then, of course, since then, the Twins have now flipped Garcia to the, to the Yankees, but we don't really care about that. But from, from the Braves' side, what did you think about that move? Uh, obviously, did not you know? Not a surprise that he would get moved because there was all the buzz about it, and it kind of died down and it came back. But uh, where were you with the return and kind of how that all played out?
1: Well, I, I do think that the Twins and the Yankees trade is uh, at least instructive in the the value of the contract, and the money that was moved because the Twins decided to eat the money when they traded Garcia to the Yankees. And in return, they were able to get to higher level, uh, I would argue, a better prospect package. The Braves selected to go the opposite direction. They got a high-risk, high-reward type player. Uh, this is a player that uh, was a pretty big name coming out in the international uh, prospects list July 2nd. Uh, the July 2 mix in 2014 uh, signed for $800,000, but uh, kind of control issues. Uh, Eno is not going to uh, really jump off the charts for anybody, but uh, the Braves put themselves in that mix, number one, because they weren't willing to eat the money on Garcia's contract. Number two, I, I think that's something that gets lost, and I'm certainly guilty of this uh, as much as anybody, is uh, the way that the rules are set up, In minor league baseball especially with 40-man roster moves um, teams aren't just able to stockpile double a and triple a type talent and uh, that's what you when you want to see what the twins got in return for Garcia that's what they got they got some upper level pitchers and the Braves certainly don't need any more pitching in their farm system but they have 40-man roster moves to make uh, just this winter Uh, guys like Luis Gojara of course Ozzy Albies um, you're looking at um, you have to protect some players from the Rule 5 draft. So I think that uh, something that gets lost in translation with uh, the trade deadline market, so to speak, with guys like Jaime Garcia and then, of course, not moving Brandon Phillips, is the Braves not only are dealing with a no-trade clause with Brandon Phillips, but they're also dealing with you know anybody you trade for. You want to make sure that if they're higher, uh, higher up in the farm system, you can keep them. You can, they are going to make your 40-man roster you don't have to turn around and lose them in the Rule 5 draft. So I, I think that that maybe uh, restricted them in terms of upper-level prospects. Um, Enoa kind of fits what um, you would expect. This is a team that has pretty much already gotten all of its trading done. They have rebuilt their farm system. Now it's a matter of waiting. and that I, I think they should have probably moved a guy like Brandon Phillips, who's still a rental, if only to clear up a log jam in this infield. But... This is kind of where this team's at. They're they're just waiting for all of their talent to bubble up, and that can be frustrating at a deadline, and certainly boring at a deadline. <laughs> but I don't necessarily think it's the wrong move at a deadline. It's better to be uh, dormant than to go out and make a make a make another Hector Olivera move. So uh, it's boring. Uh, let, let's just be honest. Let's put our cards on the table. It was a boring deadline for the Braves, but um, i I'm, I'm not necessarily sold that it's a bad deadline
0: for the Braves. Yeah, I don't think that's crazy at all. I just, I mean, I was expecting someone to get moved, and obviously Garcia did. So it wasn't like it just didn't, they just didn't—they didn't hold it until the deadline. So I guess it's, it feels flatter than it actually was because they did make a you know substantial move—a guy in the rotation that had been pitching well got traded. So something happened. Um, it was a week ago almost now, but I don't—I don't know. I was okay with it. Um, the thing that I—I I mean, you mentioned it there. I mentioned it sort of is that I would have preferred that they, that the Braves would have eaten the money for a better package in return. Uh, in the way that the Twins did, but uh, I also understand this is a, uh, you know, Liberty Media is not um, it's not one person. It's a, it's a company that owns the Braves that might might want to save some money. I was hoping uh, beyond hope that they would use that money constructively, but uh, listen, I mean, that's kind of the business element of this thing is that uh, people want, you don't want to be spending money to basically just get rid of a player. So I understand that um, logistically it's not ideal from a roster construction standpoint and from a payroll management standpoint on the baseball only side, but I get it, and that's kind of what it is, and I won't claim to know a whole lot about Enoa uh, other than what I've read on TalkingJab.com, of course. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things where uh, he might be something, he might not be, and I think people were, uh, based on what I was seeing on Twitter and other things, might be overestimating what, they, what the what the race were, we're going to be able to get for Garcia. Regardless, I just don't love the optics of uh, sort of uh, you know taking the money versus the player, but. I don't know, it's kind of up for debate, but it's not not the worst thing in the world. And the rest of it, you know, Phillips, the the no trade thing is sort of uh, the lingering issue there. And he was the one guy that was like a must deal for me if you could do it. But if they couldn't do it, I understand it just because... You know, he's the one got an expiring contract. The rest of your guys that were sort of in that way um, aren't expiring, aside from Garcia, uh, who you did move. You know, your Jim Johnson's, uh, that kind of stuff. I, Jim Johnson's obviously been terrible recently, which did not help things, obviously. But he's under contract for next year. It's not like you had to get rid of that guy, etc. So I was not um, disappointed, necessarily. Uh, I was a little bit surprised, frankly, because copies are in this reputation of a guy who's going to wheel and deal more than most. But, you know, if the deals aren't out there, the deals aren't out there. Yeah,
1: and and that's where you're at. And I I will agree with you. I think that uh, the the return of Garcia is a letdown if only because uh, in the immediate aftermath of the trade, so much of it was, well, they can now put that $5 million to a controllable young starter. And then, of course, that doesn't happen in the trade deadline. That's not to say that that $5 million will go to waste this winter. That's not to say that it's not... You know the worst thing in the world to uh, get five million dollars back on a team that's faded from the playoff mix, and what was, if uh, if I'm not mistaken, the highest franchise record opening day payroll that uh, the Atlanta Braves have ever had. So it's it's not great optics to um, to turn around and not do anything with that money, which you were maybe you know the the reports, especially from. Um, our guys here in Atlanta was that they were in on the mix of you know the sunny greys of the world. Um, it, was it the right time? I don't, I don't know. Uh, it, they're certainly going to have their options open. They have a farm system that I believe at some point you have to start trading prospects. Um, I thought that this would be an interesting time to go out and start doing that to find controllable young assets, like you saw with the Cubs getting Kitana like you saw with the Yankees turning around on Sonny Gray. But the the fact of the matter is the Braves aren't quite there yet competitively this season. And you don't necessarily have to pull off the U Darvish move and go out and do what the Dodgers did and get a rental. That makes absolutely no sense for the Braves. But uh, maybe they're still kind of keeping their chips um, until they are a little bit farther along in this process um, of this rebuild. And they see the results a little bit better on the field um, before they make that big move. Um, I don't think that would be the worst thing in the world to them, for them. But um, I'm with you, though. I, I thought Brandon Phillips should have moved. I, look, you have Joan Camargo, who probably needs to play every day. He's a 23-year-old, 23, 23 um, perhaps a super utility infielder, perhaps a starter. I still think he's kind of that bench super utility mold. But he's 23 years old, and he's playing really well. He needs to play every day. You brought up Sean Rodriguez. Um, maybe a little bit too fast, but he's under contract through next season. I would like to see him playing a little bit more. I think anybody that follows me on Twitter knows where I stand on Dansby Swanson. He has clearly, he clearly has flaws with his swing. Uh, clearly, not a great season, a very disappointing rookie season for him. But Dansby Swanson is still a centerpiece prospect for this team. And then I think we are all operating under the premise that we are going to see Ozzy always at some point in 2017. Um, and now, hanging on to Brandon Phillips, assuming that he doesn't pass through the waiver trade deadline, um maybe you're not seeing all these at all in seventeen. so um I thought they should have cleared up that log jam a little bit, especially now that you have the Matt Adams, Freddie Freeman thing going on, but it didn't happen, and now you just have this team that um maybe you're still trying to steal some starts. We got Lucas Sims uh coming in, but maybe you're trying to steal some starts for some young players. Moving forward, but now if you have Brandon Phillips under contract, um, that's fewer starts for younger players.
0: Yeah, I mean... It's it's almost a spot as if you would have had to give Phillips away, like actually give him away, just because if you look around the league, that was probably the biggest thing that I saw was that you know not a whole lot of teams that are contri- that are trying to contend needed second base help, which could have been the problem as well as the uh, sort of the weird no trade um, situation with Phillips as well. So those those two factors definitely uh, matter in this thing, but your general sentiment is uh, one that I agree with for sure. Uh, I do want to talk about Dansby uh, here, just because uh, we have to do that. Because I know you said your feelings are well known, but I want you to state them again, and I'll state mine. Uh, I sort of on Twitter uh, right after last week's show, um, sort of the word broke that he was going to that he was going to be basically benched. um, A few hours after I recorded that podcast last week, and then you know a few days later he was sent down to the minors. Uh, I absolutely hated the fact that they were not playing him every day in the majors. That was the worst case scenario in my opinion. Um, And then of course they rectified that by sending him down, which I would have just kept playing him every day at the major league level. Um, That would have been my ideal scenario. I'm not sure if you agree with that. I think you do, but uh, I don't know. I I, I would rather have him in the minors uh, and playing every day than sitting on the bench in the majors. But the whole situation was not handled particularly well, in my opinion. And uh, I, I know you're high on Dansby. I am as well, long-term. He was clearly not good this year. That's something we have to say. I At mean, the play he was, a, he was pretty much a disaster. A couple of hot streaks in there, but uh, the general performance was not good. No one's saying that he uh, was necessarily the best option uh, to win games today, but that just shouldn't be the concern, in my opinion.
1: <sighs> this is a very in-depth, long spiel here, um, so I'll try to keep it concise. Um, Dansby Swanson has clear flaws with his swing right now. Um, I think any baseball, I, mean, I was. I, I spent a lot of time today uh, with the show that we are doing, but spending time with Nick Green talking about all of the, the things that Dansby is doing wrong. And uh, there is plenty. He is getting very little momentum uh, moving forward in the swing. His load is all off. Everything is off for Dansby Swanson right now. And it plays out in his numbers. His numbers are not good. This was a player that uh, was a preseason favorite to win rookie of the year. And now he's uh, in the bottom 10 of qualified players in war, uh, according to fan That's certainly the complete opposite direction that I assumed uh, would be the case for uh, Swanson during the season. But at the same time, it, I, I'm with you that they completely handled this in a very strange way, if, if the operating, uh, if, if the M.O. is to say that Danzu Swanson at 23 years old, uh, still just two years removed from college, he needs to play every day, then why did he sit for 9 of 18 games in the middle of the year for a team that was fading in the playoff stretch? The minute that they assumed he wasn't quite right and he needed to take a step back from the major leagues, they should have done it immediately. He should not have sat on the bench for over half a month watching Camargo and Phillips. Again, I think Camargo needs to play every day. But I think Camargo needs to play alongside the N.C. Swanson every day. Um, If they think that it's best for him to fix his swing in the minors, they should have done that before benching him for uh, essentially most of July. His numbers were awful in July. So if you're playing under the... um, results-based premise here fine but um this is a team that's not contending and managing to win or running the roster or your everyday starting lineup as if you're trying to win every day I know that's what rallies a clubhouse but it's not exactly what's best for your future um I just thought that I I thought that Dansby Swanson needed to play every day from the beginning, not needed to play every day after benching him uh, for a good portion of uh, a good portion of the month.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's basically what it is. I just, uh, the whole thing doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I'm hoping Dansby gets right here in a hurry. And, uh, you know, if he's not back um, shortly, I'll be... Um Maybe not, maybe not, not shock, but I'll say I'll, I'll be surprised if he's not back in relatively short order because it just doesn't make any sense unless he's just struggling mightily in Gwinnett to leave him down there. I think that's a guy you need to get uh, back up as soon as possible, just for confidence stuff. I mean, I'm sure his confidence is not in the best place in the world right now, as is, and that happens when you struggle basically the first time in your entire life. You know, I can't can't imagine Dan's just had a, a whole lot of struggles in his life uh, at, at the plate at any level. So this is a new thing. For him, and uh, you know, if you want to tell me that he's not the best option right now, I, I will understand that. I just I don't particularly care about that. When you're talking about a situation where a few minutes ago we were talking about the fact that uh, they're not really in the race anymore, and uh, even at the at the peak of them being in the race, quote unquote, that this was a 500 team. Uh, you know, eight, eight, nine days ago, and even then, like I'm not sure what that really means. You're not, you're not, you're not in a spot to where you need to be playing uh, a guy over, over your number one, your former number one pick, uh, top tier prospect kind of guy uh, at this point in time. But, uh, but I mean, you just, uh, just sorry to cut you off. No, but go ahead.
1: They just, they just, they just ran out what you would think would be their top, you know, lineup this past series. You know, Dansby Swanson's in the minors. You have Brandon Phillips. You have Matt Adams. You have Freddie Freeman. You have Nick Marcakis, and uh, Ed, the whole the whole lineup is out there for the taking, and you got swept by the Phillies. So I again like I get it like every every manager wants to win, and the Braves are certainly in an interesting situation because Snit is in is on a one year deal, and oh. you know by all means he should be managing you know as he sees fit. But I don't necessarily think all of this was for the best of the future and. Especially when we just keep hearing this, um, uh, I don't know, this narrative of this offense is really good as long as they get the pitching right. And then you turn around and every fifth, sixth, seventh inning, you're sitting with zero runs or one run and they're they're making these pretty furious comebacks. But I'm still just not sold on this offense. It's a bottom ten offense and weighted runs created plus. Um, it, it, I I just don't know what we're... I just don't know what we're talking about sometimes in terms of <laughs> like, you know, like, yep. I, like what are we, what are we protecting here by not having Phillips in the lineup and instead having Camargo and Swanson in the middle infield? Um, do you lose a little production? Absolutely. Cause Brandon Phillips has been really good this year, but you need Swanson way more than you need Phillips in 2018, 19, 20, 21 and 2022. So uh, that's where my focus would be. But, um, it's not, where, it's not where it was, so hopefully Dansby certainly needs to get his swing right first and foremost, um, and if it has to happen in the minors, it has to happen there, but um, let's just say he's more important to them uh, long-term playing every day than Phillips is.
0: Yeah, and, and I mean, there's a couple of things we could hit on without... I mean, we, we won't do it just because uh, of time stuff, but uh, you mentioned Snicker's contract. That was a mess when it happened. Uh, I wasn't a fan of the hire in general, but I was even less of a fan of hiring Brian Snicker and not giving him a, a long-term contract. It didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me because you're basically running into stuff like this where uh, you have a guy who doesn't who isn't sure of his security long-term who's going to now manage in a way that is not optimal for your team, and that's not, that's not really on Snicker, honestly. At the end of the day, like... I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of what he does uh, strategically um, in terms of st- the stuff that we can see I will be the first to tell you that there's stuff that we that we can't see um, with snicker but um, when you don't have when you, when you don't have a long-term contract and you, and you I guess your mandate you believe is to win I don't know I'm not really sure what his mandate is and we, we and we basically never know that but this is why you don't do that that's number one and number two you know you've not seen with Camargo um, I'm not sure what Camargo is either. I mean, he's young and talented, as you said. i, I, I like to see more of him, but it, he's now um, cooling off in a way that he always was going to. He had a 400-plus BABIP for a long time, and it was carrying him in a big way. Um, and now we'll kind of see what he is moving forward. I'm not really sure what he is. You, I mean, I'm kind of in line with you at the, be- at the beginning of the podcast talking about the fact that he's probably going to be a utility guy. I'm in uh, that camp as well, based on the bats, just never really been there at any level, and we, we saw it here for a couple of months in the majors, but if you look at his minor league, his minor league numbers, just his profile in general, I'm not sure he's going to hit enough, and that's kind of what we've seen in the last week or two as well on him when he's cooled off, so it's sort of a perfect storm right now in the worst way, <laughs> but uh, hopefully it won't matter long term, and Swanson will bounce back, and all will be forgotten and forgiven, but not great, I would say, ideally.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I, the thing about Camargo is before this season, he had not hit above league average at any minor league level since rookie ball. He showed up to spring training, was clearly a different type of athlete. I've seen him uh, over the over the last few years. He comes in this year, uh, clearly a put on muscle, um, finished the season strong. Uh, really, uh, I think, looks more confident in the box, you could tell him in spring training. Then, of course, he had all those errors, um, but defense has never really been his um, concern. So, the fact that he's hitting like this, I think, is certainly perked up some ears in the organization. That they should absolutely see what they have with him. He's twenty-three. I mean, you need you need to see uh, what he can be. You need to be trotting him out there uh, every day when you're whatever they are—ten games under five hundred. Um, you need to be seeing what Dansby Swanson can do for you every day. I think the big problem with this roster right now is um, setting aside Brandon Brandon Phillips because um, the team's not going to bring him back. He's not going to get a qualifying offer. Um, Let's just set all of that into uh, that's not going to happen. But uh, this is a team that is very much locked into, especially in the corners where if they hang on to Matt Adams into next season, they're paying him a good bit of money in arbitration uh, because arbitration primarily rewards power as we've seen in past years. So you're paying him a good bit, probably to be your everyday... I don't know if you're paying Matt Adams $10, $12 million. I don't know if you're going to still be sitting him against left-handed starters, but um, you have Freddie Freeman at third base, so you're locked in there. The corner outfield, uh, you and I both are, uh, I think, on very, uh, very good terms here in terms of the corner outfield. They have a bit of an issue right now with $30 million going to Matt Kemp and Nick Markakis in 2018, um, it doesn't leave you a lot of room for flexibility. And that's why the Phillips thing is maybe a little bit more frustrating because the rest of this lineup has lost the flexibility because you're not benching Inderian CRT in center field and you're not benching Freddie Freeman. He will be out there. Um, you don't have a lot of room to maneuver uh, when you're paying for what has been you know, this season, Markakis on a bit of a hot streak right now but you're looking at replacement level production for 30 million bucks and that's that's that hasn't really put them in a good place in terms of moving around maybe some young pieces
0: yeah, we can talk about that for hours uh, with yeah. and Kemp. Yeah, I it's mean, late tonight. Let's not, let's not go down this road. Yeah, we're all. not going to do that. Um, needless to say, uh, having two replacement level players in the corner outfield uh, on huge contracts for next year uh, is is not great. Uh, and Kemp for another year beyond that, by the way. It's not just one more year with Kemp. It's only one more from Marquecas, uh, mercifully. Um, but, yeah, it's it's not it's not good um, flexibility-wise, payroll-wise, because for uh, so as much as we've talked about Liberty Media spending some money this year, there's going to be—it's not a firm cap, but it's a sort of a soft cap with them. They're not—they're not, they're, they're not going to suddenly spend two hundred million dollars, uh, a la Yankees or something like that. That's not going to happen. So uh, when you're spending thirty million dollars in the corners on guys who are not going to be very good at baseball in the overall sense, uh, it's not great.
1: Um, this is a this is a terrible time to talk about this, by the way, because Markekis, uh with three walks and a hit today, is now up to league average uh, in terms of weighted runs created plus one hundred. On the dot with a 368 OBP, so uh, he's in a really hot streak right now. So it's uh, making us look dumb for saying this at the moment.
0: It's actually not though, because if you look <laughs> at everything else, he's still a fifth-level player. Uh, the, it's never been the bat. Honestly, it's, as for as funny as this is with Marquez and his lack of power, which is well documented. It's never been the bat that really upsets me. Uh, it's, he, you know, a 370-ish on base is uh, always going to have value for you offensively. I yep. wish he hit higher on the lineup, honestly. I, I always thought he was more of a table-setter type than he is a power guy when he consistently hits fifth and sixth, and I don't really understand that. Um, but uh, it's the defense and the whole package of everything with no power that you can't get away with in right field. And obviously, Kemp's been bad for a long time now since the uh, scorching start that he got off to. was really excited about Matt Kemp, and since then it's been quite bad um, and obviously he's hurt right now too so I don't, I, don't want, I don't want to pile on him he's obviously banged up so we'll get into that my, later but <laughs> my extremely
1: hot take before we get off I'll oh, get it, it. Uh, my extremely hot take on Marquecas is that he is going to be a uh, useful major league player past this contract I think that teams are going to see as you just mentioned that OBP and he gives you professional bats and all of that is a well and good but my hot take is that at, even right now today if we're looking at overall, uh, at all of the tools that you need out of an outfielder, that the only thing Marquecas does better than Ronald Acuna is hit for average.
0: Oh, I mean... yeah, That's I, it.
1: Yeah. I mean, that that's really it. I mean, plate discipline, hit for average. Um, everything else, Ronald Acuna can do better at this point, okay. right now in time, as a 19-year-old. And... I, I'm really curious of what it's going to look like in the winter because he's I, I, again. I'm not a prospect guru, as you know. Um, there's plenty of people out there that know more than I do, but from seeing him and watching uh, a good bit of his games this year, especially now that he's in Gwinnett, um, I, I just think that they have to uh, have they have a decision to make this winter if they're going to carry Kemp and Marcakis throughout the 2018 season as he sits there um, essentially ready to go. But I think he runs better. I think he's a better defensive outfielder, certainly has a better arm, and definitely has more power. So uh, four of the five tools right now for the 19-year-old, um, that's my hot take for the night. Uh,
0: not even that hot, I don't think. But uh,
1: Okay, lukewarm.
0: I mean... I- my my hotter take potentially would be that uh, I'd I'd rather just play Matt Adams in right field and, ha- and just eat the defense. That that'd be what I would say. That that's a, that's a hotter take I think would be to uh, I would I would legitimately rather just play Matt Adams in a corner outfield and he'd be awful defensively, but uh, Marquez is also not good defensively, which we know. But alas, um, that would solve your problem a little bit in the infield and your flexibility is if you could suddenly play Matt Adams in a corner outfield spot, but. Not gonna happen when you are. When the, the Cardinals tried that and
1: they didn't like it. I didn't. Well, think it's not gonna it, be good. I mean, well, no, I didn't think no they now. gave it enough of a shot. Would they give them like twenty innings in St. Louis? I mean, that's. I mean, I mean it, it.
0: It would. It would be really bad. The problem is when Matt Kemp is your other option. Uh, yeah. If you had a functioning right, if you if you had Ronald Acuna or someone like that in right field, and you could just plop Mads in left field every once in a while, and. Uh, pl- and platoon him potentially that might work, but uh, it's not great when you're <laughs> when both when both guys have similar issues with their statuesque defense and uh, obviously different hitters with Kip Marquez they're different uh, type of guys. But um, we can go down that you. road forever. But there it is. Um, let's get away from that real quick, and um, I'll, I'll offer my me a couple, and then I'll let you go. Um, Freddie Freeman, uh, we talked about him and playing a little bit of third base. Uh, I was wrong about this. Uh, I will say that right now. Um, I was uh, defiantly. Uh, Upset about them trying, even trying Freddie at third base for a bunch of reasons, Uh, one of which was that I thought he would be bad at third base. And uh, the jury is out, I should say, but it's been very good so far in terms of. uh I'm not sure I buy him being this like you know plus plus defender that he's somehow been so far, but uh, I think he's certainly not going to be a bad guy uh, over there at third base, and that surprised me. And uh, all credit to Freddie, who is obviously fantastic at baseball. But uh, one of the, one of my things was uh, that I thought he was going to be bad, so I was wrong about that. I still don't love uh, moving your franchise player. Um, from off of his position that he's, that he's basically played his entire life um, to third base, but uh, it's worked out. And uh, I will offer my uh, my mia culpa there to say I was wrong about Freddy's defense, if nothing else. I
1: will I will join you in this uh, in this mia culpa. I again I didn't th- I, I have no problem saying I was wrong about this. Um, it, I, I I think that and correct me if I'm wrong on your end, but I think so much of it was tinged with the fact of. Uh, that they're moving Freeman just to keep Adams, yes. who's in the middle of the hottest streak of his life. And since he's cooled down, um, maybe that trade value kind of went down with him. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe a little bit of that was tinged for me. But I did think that he would struggle at third base. And right now, with um, correct me if I'm wrong, but about every defensive metric, defensive run saved, everything is... Uh, really liking Freddie Freeman at third base. Um, I, I I think he's been fine from uh, by my eye test. So I think that everything's kind of worked out much better than I assumed as well. So um, yeah, put me put me on that uh, that menu for Crow as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a Larry thing. That was only one thing, and one of the reasons that you, was one you mentioned there is that I never bought the Matt Adams thing, and I still don't. I think he's a perfectly fine hitter, but. If you're talking about moving Freddie Freeman for a guy, it's not going to be Matt Adams, in my opinion. Like, uh, I just don't think the bat plays at a, at enough of a level. Yeah, if he was a, if Matt Adams was a was a middle was a middle infielder or something and hit like he did, that'd be great. But uh, he's sort of a run in the mill guy at first base. Like, I'm not really sure. Um, and obviously, we've seen him cool off, as you mentioned. So I didn't love that. And of course, uh, just moving him in principle, all those things. But you know, Freddie, I mean. At the top of things, if Freddie can really stick at third base and play that play this well, which I again I'm skeptical of defensively, um, his value is somehow even higher. Because if you can play that guy's bat at third base every day, it's kind of off the charts. Even you know if you take Matt Adams out of the mix and just say in a vacuum, would you rather have this player at third base hitting the same as this player at first base? It's always going to be third base if he can if he can defend. And uh, Freddie's been able to defend, so I still. Don't uh, I still won't say that Freddie Freeman's now a third baseman moving forward, but the fact that he can do it definitely helps his uh, value, which was already obviously off the charts. Considering he was a uh, like getting MVP buzz early in the year before the injury, so he's been he's been absurd, man. Fre- Freddie's so good.
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the thing here is like it's it kind of gets old praising praising Freddie Freeman for uh, being so good at baseball all the time, but I mean he is, and uh, I think that I think you're right because uh, assuming right now that they carry Matt Adams into 2018. Um, I think Adams is a quality major league starter um, if he's going to hit like he has for most of his career, uh, even in St. Louis, uh, but now in Atlanta, um, he's a he's a major league quality starter. Um, if anything, he's a monster bench bat for you. Um, but even past Matt Adams, let's say this Freddie Freeman experiment goes on uh, past Adams. Um, it does give you more flexibility in the market because then you can go out and look Uh, at third baseman and first baseman. You can go out and uh, see who fits for you. You can even hide guys at first, I think, a little bit better than you can hide them at third if you really love a bat that's out there. So uh, if he can do this, and it's very early in sample sizes and whatnot, but if he can keep doing this, I think it only gives them flexibility and leverage in the future, um, assuming that he wants to do this, and he's the one that brought this up to them in the very beginning, Uh, assuming he wants to do this and wants this to continue past 2017 past 2018 it's really going to help them if they need to go out and uh we're assuming that the rebuild is going to start coming to fruition in 2018 2019 if they need to go out on the market around that time um to not just pigeonhole themselves into we need to just find a third baseman um it, it certainly helps
0: it does, and uh, yeah, Freddie's Freddy's the man. By the way, I'm going to let you go right now, but before I do that, uh, this is going to bridge into what I'm sure is going to be a plug of yours. Uh, my, my televisions are on as I record this, and uh, I just saw a fantastic commercial featuring yourself oh and Corey McCartney on my screen. Uh, so I'm going to let you, uh, you you promote your show, but I, I had to say that out loud, but, uh that commercial is just fantastic and I can't wait to make fun of you about it in person but uh, yeah it's great by the way so plug plug the show do all the things that you want to do.
1: I want to disappear forever is <laughs> what I want. Um, yeah that's uh, yeah they make you do these, uh, these photo shoots and when you're not very photogenic it doesn't pan out the way that um, maybe you were hoping for but our, to be honest uh, our, our design team is incredible and uh, they probably made it look way better than it was in the beginning so all props to them, but it is a, it's a, it, it's it's embarrassing. Let's just let's just put all the cards on the table there. Um, but ChopCast Live is a thing; it is happening every home Wednesday game, including this Wednesday. Um, and then we have the podcast, uh, Corey McCartney and I, and uh, things are things are rolling. So this Wednesday, we're still trying to hook up, uh, get a couple guests on there for everybody. We usually try to have a couple on every show and uh, break down what's going on with Atlanta. So. Uh, yeah, even with our Technicolor commercial that uh, is out there for the masses to see, um, it, it it keeps on it keeps on going. They haven't stopped it yet.
0: Yeah, it's great. It's delightful. I just had to share that. It was actually perfect synergy because I've not seen. <laughs> I, I, I've been traveling, so I've not seen that particular commercial before. So I was glad that it came on. Right. It's that new. Minute.
1: It's new. It, it started this weekend, and, and that's uh, why I hadn't seen I it. Haven't, it's perfect. I haven't turned on a, a television since it, since since this weekend started.
0: <laughs> it was a good look for you, my friend. I, I really I really appreciated it, and I, I will certainly send a note to Corey as well. time how just how handsome he looked on my, on my television. It was good.
1: I'm sure he'll appreciate that.
0: <laughs> uh, well, thank you, sir, for doing this. I want to do this for you. I'm going to say everybody needs to uh, go ahead and DVR slash watch ChopCast live and uh, subscribe to the podcast. Do all that fun stuff as well as this show, of course. But uh, follow Zach on uh, plug your Twitter too, man. Get it out there. I know I know you never tweet, but when you do, it's always sharp and pointed, so it's good.
1: Yeah, sometimes I sometimes I I'm on Twitter a lot. I just I, I think it's always better to listen and to <laughs> uh, to soak in information from people that are much smarter than me. But I am at Zach underscore Dillard. Um, and then, of course, I'll have a writing on foxsportsouth.com And that is all I have for plugging. I'm, I'm plugged out.
0: I, I understand. So uh, thank you, sir, for doing this. As for everybody else, I'll be back to our regular schedule uh, next week. Back on a Sunday, uh, I'm actually back in town now, which is glorious. So we'll, we'll be here hopefully with better news to report than uh, eight losses in nine games. And uh, until then, stay tuned.